The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch, and yeah, you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in TV and movies. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps. Each week, I'll be joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week, I'm joined by a teacher and travel blogger who lists their favourite movie as Fight Club and favourite TV show as Band of Brothers. Welcome to the show, Buddy McClellan. Thanks for having me back. How's life? Locked down still? I need to change travel blogger to stuck at home blogger. I'm not even blogging about it. I'm just stuck at home. <laughs> just trapped in a never-ending cycle of not being able to go anywhere. Yeah. Oh, we moved house, so that's exciting. I've got to at least change the scenery in the four walls that I'm stuck in, so that's good. That's about as far as I've travelled. Yeah, at least you're looking at four fresh new walls. Yeah, exactly. It's nice. Still the same colour, but then you. Yeah, still the same suburb too, really. It's not that different. <laughs> Internet's better. That's it. Yeah, wandered past a nice little protest over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, so, so frustrating. It's like you sit here and you try and do the right thing and follow all the rules and all the new restrictions and you walk past and we were walking through and there's this crowd noise. I thought there shouldn't be crowd noise right now. Like it's only supposed to be two people at a time, whatever it is. And there would have been, they said it was thousands. It was maybe 200 people standing there all dressed like idiots, hugging and with signs saying you can't mandate vaccinations and all the rest of it, but basically just ruining it for the rest of us. Yeah. I guess it's just one of those things with the internet that people leave things that they shouldn't and get all twisted up and, I understand the frustration of being stuck at home, but I don't think that means you go and risk it for the rest of us. I find it pretty selfish. Oh, 100%. Like, stuck here doing the, the right thing for the last five weeks, and now probably be stuck here for another five weeks, thanks to those people that decided they don't like this. Yeah. And, I mean, it was even to the point where I saw people walking past because we had masks on as we were walking, um, and they were yelling at people that were wearing masks, take your mask off and breathe freedom. Come on, mate. Like, you're going to breathe in COVID and you're going to be the first person to want the healthcare that we're paying for. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're, they're going to be the first people that complain when they're sick and there's no hospital beds or their family gets sick because of it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's frustrating to think that they could be taking somebody's hospital bed eventually that will need it, that was doing the right thing. So... Yeah, it's nasty that, it, like we say, we're all in it together, but obviously it's not everybody. Apart from, obviously, all that negativity, what have you been, <laughs> what else have you been up to checking out? It hasn't been all bad. Look, I've got new internet and I have been smashing Netflix. We got stuck. It feels like they've released a bunch of new stuff with all the streaming services recently, but before that we got stuck on a real retro marathon we went back through and did all the Back to the Futures, went into uh, all the Harry Potters, then we went into all the Hunger Games. Holy doolish. Then all the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. 
now we're into all the Daniel Craig James Bonds. So I've got a lot of time to watch things. That that's a lot of stuff. How's Anne finding the James Bond? She suggested it. She only wanted the Daniel Craig ones, which makes me a little bit concerned. But loving the James Bonds. It's good. Yeah, do you feel like she has an ulterior motive there with those specific Bond movies? Look, I'm a massive James Bond fan and I cannot blame her. Man is ripped. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it was funny though. Like I'm watching the, the Harry Potters. It led us into, um, on Stan, there's a show called Miracle Workers. Okay, yep. The um, What's his name? Is it Radcliffe? That's it. Yeah, so we watched that and then all of a sudden as we were finishing the Harry Potters, that Miracle Workers popped up. I thought, like, we always talk about how he's Harry Potter specifically, like Daniel Radcliffe is typecast as Harry Potter for the rest of his life. So yep. I thought, oh, I'll give this show a chance and see how it goes. Um, so it's a show where it's all based off the writings of a bloke uh, named Simon Rich. So originally it starts with a story about um, angels trying to solve people's problems and actually get people's um, prayers answered and how impossible it is. And Daniel Radcliffe is the angel in charge of that. And, and Steve Buscemi is God. Interesting choice for God. Yeah. So it's like, it's really funny. And it was just really fun to watch Daniel Radcliffe. You can just see he's just taken the role with both hands and just gone, if people think I'm Harry Potter, I'm going to make this the most outrageous, out there, un-Harry Potter performance of my entire life. Yep. A really good show, funny, and then it kind of finishes a full season. So I watched a season in a day. Wow. Um, which is probably a comment on the amount of time that I have, but it was also so funny. I found it, like, if I could liken it to, imagine that storyline, but it's kind of the the vibe of, like, a, a Robin Hood men in tights, like, silly. Okay, yep. Yeah, it's not, like, it's not trying to be fully serious the whole time. No, so their their whole thing is that they're trying to, God makes a bet with him. He, he gives up Steve Buscemi as God, and then he's going to blow the entire world up because he's just given up and can't do it anymore. But then the angels say to him, well, if we can make these two people who are destined to fall in love but can't seem to get it together, if we can make them kiss by the end of the week, then you don't get to blow up Earth. So they spend their whole time just trying to get these two people impossibly together, and it's just calamity after the next. But it's just it's really funny and just kind of, hearted and just funny to watch him just be weird yeah it looks like it's a strange one just based on like looking at photos of Buscemi and stuff I'm like oh that looks yeah I mean he's weird at the best of times yeah he's an interesting looking dude yeah so they have that one but then they've already gone into season two I've already watched the entirety of season two the thing that got me when I didn't realize it was based on this guy like a humorous novels or his short stories was it was the exact same cast in a completely different story in a completely different role under the same name. So they went from uh, Miracle Workers, then they do Miracle Workers, uh, the Dark Ages. So then Daniel Radcliffe goes from being an angel. All of a sudden, he's then a prince who has pet ducks and is trying to find love as a prince. And it's this whole other thing, which is just, it's fun to watch him just then change. It's kind of, yeah, it's like an extended sketch show almost. Now they've gone into season three that I'm watching. It's um, the Oregon Trail. Then he goes to become a, a priest. So like he's really just tried to get out of wizard. 
Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like um, I know at the moment the American Horror Stories is doing like an anthology thing where it's a lot of the same cast but just totally different stories every episode. Yeah, and I like it. Like they're good actors. So as long as it took me ages to get my head around, stop seeing them as angels. Like I was waiting for them to start acting like angels again all of a sudden. But after I got through that, it was just yeah, funny. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part with those anthology things to then look at it. But okay, let's totally separate what I've just watched. This has no connection, but it's all the same people. Yeah, especially if they don't, they don't really make it very clear on the actual streaming service or on like the little blurbs. I didn't like I had to go on Wikipedia and work out what was happening. But yeah, it's it's funny. Fair enough. Speaking of sort of follow-on seasons, I watched. The first episode of season two of Ted Lasso on Friday. Did you end up watching the first season? Yeah, I did. Got through the whole first season and I got Apple TV specifically to get the next season of Ted Lasso. Ah, awesome. That, I think that speaks volumes for the quality of this show then. Yeah, Anne and I both love it too. Like it's not just the sporting aspect to it. Like he's just some of the, the one-liners and stuff he comes out with and just the genuinity of the character. Like he's just a good, funny, kind-hearted guy, and it's just a nice thing to watch. Yeah, and all like all of the characters are like that too. They all have that sort of depth and they all have a story that you want to see. Like they're not just, uh, okay, now we're stuck following this person for half an episode and I don't want to watch this. Yeah. This season we're, we're back following Ted, Coach Beard, Nathan, uh, who else is there, Keely. Uh, Roy. Roy. Roy takes a nice detour in life here. <laughs> Coaching the under nines. <laughs> Coaching, yeah, his nieces, under nines, girls' school team. Uh, although Keely's trying to push him into being a TV pundit, which he doesn't like. I think my favourite part was uh, his niece calling Roy out on his language. And he's like, I just put it on my tab. <laughs> And then Keely goes, how much are we up to now? And she's like 1,300 and something pounds. It's like, oh, really? That's, that's an expensive expensive tally you've built up there. It wasn't the part where the under nine girl was happy about getting a red card for elbowing the other under nine girl in the throat? That was also good. That, <laughs> I feel like that's going to be Sean's daughter in, in the future. It could, could be. <laughs> Win at all costs. It's nice. Though. It's funny watching them and just I like that they actually just link it into the leagues. Like they actually have real, not the actual teams playing, but the, the kits and the, the names of the teams and like they're not trying to steer away or make it fake. Like they're playing against Man City or Nottingham Forest and it's just the only thing they've really done is is substitute themselves in for Crystal Palace. Yep. Yeah, and it's all filmed. A lot of it was filmed at the, the Crystal Palace Stadium. It's it's clearly just the Crystal Palace kit with Richmond FC on it. Yeah. Danny Rojas killing the mascot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good. Like, it's, it's good that it's continuing on too. Like, I, you could feel like it might just have one season and they give up on it, but I'm glad everyone got behind it and they've, they've continued it. It's nice to have something that's just genuine and, and kind-hearted and... Yeah, Danny Rojas going into sports psychology and, and being open about psychology stuff I thought was quite cool too, a little bit of a different angle. Yeah, I, I, I loved this first episode and it's 
a good sign that we're on a, a similar trajectory for season two of just being humorous, uplifting, upbeat the whole time. As there might be a few like down points, obviously killing a dog, not the the nicest <laughs> thing, but they they make it uplifting in the end. Like you mentioned, they people got behind it and it, it did really well last year in terms of awards with season one. Have you seen the amount of awards that show got nominated and won? No, I haven't. So it won multiple awards. It got the Critics' Choice Best Comedy, Best Actor in a Comedy, Best Supporting Actress for Rebecca, um, actual multiple Best Actors for Jason Sudeikis with the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, and the Screen Actors Guild, Best Comedy Series and New Series at the US Writers Guild. It won a Peabody Award for writing, so... It just shows that there has seems to have been a lot of thought and effort put into this show. It wasn't just, okay, Apple's got a heap of money, let's put a cast together and rush something out. Like they've really put in the effort to make this a good show. And it came out at the right time too. Right in the pandemic, everyone's stuck at home. They just want something happy. Yeah. Well, I think what it does is it really connects funny parts of being American and sport uh, with the funny parts of being British and their sport. Like they, they poke fun at themselves or each other over and over and over, which I really, really like. Even like Trent Krim, always introducing himself the way he does. Yeah. Or even like they were saying when they're on the, the run of they can only get a draw, they can't win, they can't win. And the British only refer to it as being bad luck. The Americans refer to it as being bad performance or the New York Jets. Yep. Which I like. There's a lot of those little sort of idiosyncrasies that they can pull up on and just and laugh at. Not not being able to say the yips out loud. Is that something that you find in your locker rooms? You're not allowed to say certain words or do certain things? You don't want to feel like you got the yips, no way. And I'm a massive, like people have their own weird superstitions and stuff. I'm huge for superstition. I only put my right boot on before my left boot. The drink bottle's got to go in the right-hand side of the goal. Got to wash my gloves a certain amount of times. Like, And it feels like as you get older, you get more and more of them. But, yeah, if you feel like you've got the yips, it's all over. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to say it out loud. Yeah, it's like as soon as you have one good game, like, okay, what did I do different? Yeah, most of the time you just stop thinking about it. And I was looking at some of the, the trivia for the show. You know the scene where uh, Ted runs out of the office and, like, jumps and hits his head in the, the door frame? Yeah. Apparently that wasn't in the script. He just ran, jumped out, and actually hurt himself on the door. <laughs> At least they got some good out of it. And Roy Kent is based on Roy Keane. I think that's yeah. a pretty obvious reference there. The motto for Richmond FC is Gradius Firmus Victoria, which translates to slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> and I think that's such a cool little thing with the, the way the series goes where yeah. They're never dominating. They're just like, let's just keep plugging away and we'll, <laughs> we'll get there eventually. And Zach Braff directed episode two of season one, which I didn't realize until You're this right. It's like, huh, interesting. It's not always the same director. No, he was apparently just in London and they're like, do you want to do this show? And he's like, okay. <laughs> apparently that's a, a pretty common thing though in TV where a whole season isn't necessarily directed by the same person. Okay, I would never have thought that. Yeah, it seems to be like it falls more on the producers' heads to make sure that it all has a similar vibe and similar feeling and flow the whole way through the season rather than specific directors. Like I know 
Game of Thrones, nearly every episode was directed by a different person in that last season, which yeah, okay. that last season, not the greatest, so <laughs> might not be the, the best example, but yeah, it's a pretty common thing. In- Zach Braff doing Ted Lasso isn't out of the, the realm of possibility that like it's a pretty similar vibe to Scrubs. Yep. Yeah. Uplifting, silly the whole time, just making yeah. fun of an interesting profession. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Are you looking for an easy way to warm yourself up from your belly out this winter or cool yourself down when summer returns? Get into the mix and contact Annie Burnside, your local Thermomix consultant, to book a virtual or face-to-face cooking experience and discover the world's smallest, smartest kitchen. Find Annie on Instagram at that.thermo.life. Deathmatch Down Under is a professional wrestling promotion based out of the western suburbs of Melbourne, Australia. Deathmatch Down Under put on some of the most exciting professional wrestling events ever seen in Australia. With their unique combination of match styles, which range from technical showcases right through to ultra-violent deathmatches. Watch DMDU shows and buy tickets to their future shows on their website at www.deathmatchdownunder.com. What else have you been checking out? I have finished a uh, an audio book recently that I thought was was interesting. So I um, did on Audible again. I've just been when I could drive places, enjoying listening to to audio books on there still. So I listened recently to um, the Matthew McConaughey autobiography called Green Lights, um, which had a lot of good reviews. And I like I'm not a huge Conaghy fan. I'm probably like most people that really thought Dallas Buyers Club was was really good, um, and just thought he was hilarious in Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I wasn't too huge a fan of of anything that he'd really done. But the reviews kind of are what pushed me into it, and I was really really surprised like how good this book was. Like it's got a real McConaughey vibe to it, where obviously you kind of know the bloke he is that he rates himself pretty high. But he's not really ashamed of that, and it's like he he kind of talks to it as the way he's gotten so far as to believe in himself. And the whole the premise of the book is looking at different green lights and red lights in his book, and knowing when a red light tries to tell you to change, and knowing when a green light appears in your life to follow it. It was really really quite good. So he kind of I didn't realize he came out and he um he lived in Australia for a number of years doing exchange had a lot of different experiences, lost all the weight and stuff that he was doing for Dallas Buyers Club. And it really goes in depth with a lot of his life and um, how it could have gone a lot of different ways. But a really interesting short sort of stories in each chapter. And I think it's always good with Audible when they have the actual author, in this case, Matthew McConaughey, narrating the work. It just gives it a little bit more um, storytelling quality to it, I guess. Like it's, it's a lot easier to kind of go along with. Especially when it is like a, a biography style, it's not someone telling us a, a fictional story, it's somebody actually talking about their life. So Yeah, exactly. And no one's gonna do it more passionately than him. Are you finding that you're struggling to sort of keep up with the audiobooks now that we are all stuck at home? Yeah, I mean the only thing that I'm kind of being able to do because I, I went from that one and then went into now I'm doing Seth Rogan's yearbook. Which he's even taken another level further than McConaughey did. Like it was really cool to have McConaughey every time he said, all right, all right, all right, to have him do it. But Seth Rogen has gone as far as not only narrating his own book, but then he has, I guess, voice actors come in and do, so if he has a flashback, 
we use teenage voice actors to do him and his friends and they actually has like background noise and oh, yeah. kind of sets a whole scene like it almost seems like a, a radio play I guess like it's yeah it's good I'm enjoying it and I'm kind of getting through it um yeah I, I usually use it when I drive to and from work so in this case I'm kind of using it more if I'm doing the vacuuming or something like that or I'm having a break so it is a nice thing to be able to have in your back pocket but price of audible per month to keeping up to the books like it's just barely scraping through for me at the moment yeah like i guess if you were driving every day it would make a bit more sense but now that you sort of you might listen to it two or three times a week it's a bit bit on the edge well i think it's about 15 bucks a month for the audible credit and then you can just download whichever book you like and i was getting through that within a month when i'm driving but i mean at the moment i think the good thing is you can just put your account on hold but typical with me i'll put the account on hold get through the book and then just forget about it and it'll automatically renew again and then it'll i'll start listening again so we'll see how it goes for now but there's a few good ones out there and just yeah really enjoying the, the actual authors narrating and having people do voice acting i think makes it even better yeah it sounds like there's a lot of sort of production value put into that yearbook one i can't imagine that was a quick turnaround for them no and it's really funny like seth rogan is funny already and just yeah listening to his stories about his own life that you wouldn't otherwise expect and having the um the characters. You forget that Superbad was kind of about his life and his friends. So he's actually friends with Evan and Fogel in real life um, and having the stories of them that weren't necessarily the stories that they included in Superbad or kind of portrayed in Superbad, then it's uh, it's interesting. Is that a like produced recently or was that a while ago? Was it something that they... Hey, we can't act on set, so let's just do voice acting. I don't know. That's a good question. I, it's only a recent book. I just don't know if he would have preferred for them to do it or not. It's probably an easy way for him to tell stories and keep it interesting with different voices and characters in there. I'm not sure, but it's, yeah, it's only quite a recent book. Okay. Yeah, I I can't be certain, but it, it feels like it would have been one of those things where hey, we can't get onto a a film set, but we can all record our portions at home and then have someone put it all together. Yeah, potentially. You mentioned sort of Matthew McConaughey with his signature, all right, all right, all right. Oh, you can do better than that. <laughs> I've been watching a show re- recently where the host uh, uses that quite frequently. I've been getting into the show Forged in Fire. Have you sort of seen that at all? I haven't seen that one. So basically what it is, it's a competition show where every episode – Four bladesmiths come into a forge together and it's a three-round elimination and they're asked to forge bladed weapons and then they're tested against <laughs> specific like strength, sharpness tests and uh, each round someone gets eliminated. When it gets down to the final two, they're sent home to recreate an iconic weapon from history in four or five days and then come back and have that tested and then the winner gets ten thousand dollars wow it's on sbs viceland every weeknight at about six fifteen. every week night yeah there's seven seasons of this show and they're about <laughs> 24 episodes a season i didn't think that that'd be, be that many bladesmiths in the world all u.s Nearly every episode okay. has just been US people. And there was one episode I watched that was like the international episode and they had someone from France, uh, a US competitor, and someone from South America. 
you don't have a crocodile Dundee looking bloke go on there and say, that's not a knife, this is a knife, what a missed opportunity. Well, I've only watched this couple of seasons and I haven't seen an Aussie on there yet, but I, no. I need to do that at some point. The, uh, the Simpsons episode, someone just pulls out a spoon. Yep. It's not a knife, that's a spoon. Yeah, there's actually eight seasons, 175 episodes. What? It's crazy. They're doing so good. Well, people must be into their blades. Is it good? Do you like it? I, I do. It's like this weird guilty pleasure where it's like, <laughs> I just like watching people make knives and then test them. And some of the challenges are so funny. Like they'll get there. There was a, an episode last week. They rocked up and they're like, okay, here's the steel that you have to use and unveiled a Panzer tank. So they had to like cut steel off a tank to make a knife out of and then test that. And then other ones are, though, here's a table of fish hooks and ball bearings and just all random bits of metal. Make a knife out of these. Is it always knives or when they make bladed weapons, do they do like swords and axes and stuff? In that sort of initial round, it's knives when it's all four people. But then once it sort of gets down to the final two, they'll make swords, axes, throwing knives. Uh, what else have they made? Like these weird like spear spike things. Um, they had to make a crossbow and all the arrows and stuff in one episode. <laughs> Just crazy stuff. And like that first round they're given between three and four hours to forge the metal and make the shape of the knife and then get that judged by the four judges. And the four judges are like a master bladesmith, a weapons recreation expert, and Doug Markaido, who's a, an edged weapons specialist. Like he does all choreography for fight scenes and stuff. Be a cool business card to have. Amy Apps, edged weapons specialist. So then, yeah, after they've made a weapon, it's then judged and they have to meet specific parameters. It has to be a certain length and it has to have this sort of handle and whatever. The, the, the knife that is the weakest gets booted out. They're sent home with nothing. And then in round two, the three people that are left are asked to then put an, a handle, maybe a guard and a pommel, and then they're put through the tests, which are generally a strength test where... They bash it against wood, <laughs> antlers, bone, <laughs> and then they do the sharpness test. And then, obviously, the worst performing knife gets kicked out. Final two. Okay, you're making, for example, a samurai sword. You have four days. Go home and make it fit these parameters. They come back, and then it's put through a kill test where Doug generally like stabs and slices through pigs and at the end goes it will kill or it won't kill well <laughs> and then and then it's put through a strength test which again is bashing it against either metal bone wood sometimes it's a, a flex test so if they're making like a, a musketeer's sword that's meant to be really flexible they'll put it in this vice and bend it left and right and to these pins and if it doesn't come back straight then it's failed and then after that then it's put through the sharpness test and then the winner wins ten thousand dollars <laughs> so they've given away millions of dollars 
sounds like they've tried to make it really like scientific in stages and be like, yeah, he's an edged wed- edged weapon specialist or a bladesmith or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, what test are you going to do? Oh, let's stab it into this pig. <laughs> yeah. So technical. <laughs> let's see if we can cut this antler. It's silly, but it's fun. They've At the moment, they're screening the, the Battle of the Branches, which is each episode is split up into Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. Uh, and then it's going to go into like a competition and the winner from each one goes forward to the next round. So then it'll be an army representative versus a Navy and whatever until we get to the whichever armed service has the best bladesmith apparently. I feel like it's better to have the armed services doing it. It kind of concerns me a little bit that there's over many episodes that there are out there just random civilians making knives and stabbing pigs. Yeah, but all of these, like, civilians are generally people that make knives for a living or as a hobby. It's not just, hey, you, you've never made a knife before. Come into a forge and make this knife. <laughs> That'd be a good show. But uh, Lauren and I have been watching so much of this show that we now can sort <laughs> of, as they're doing the test, we're like, oh, that guy failed. He's going on. <laughs> oh, I'm a little bit worried about both of you. <laughs> we also noticed that on binge season seven they added before the episode they added the uh forging is dangerous please do not try this at home and i was like i wonder why they did that oh <laughs> uh, someone got burnt uh worse than that somebody tried to make a knife at home burnt down three buildings and damaged 28 others you see, this is why I'm worried about you. You watch these things, you get these ideas, I know what you like, you'll be coming back on, you'll be missing fingers or something. And I'm, I'm not going to make a knife at home, but I would like to find somewhere that teaches you how to do it. See, you're already halfway there. When I've got a nice cool knife and you don't, suck it. Yeah, see, that's what worries me as well. I've got a knife and you don't, that attitude. <laughs> I come at you with my big knife. Yeah, I'm not worried about you and your stab tests. You're not getting through my antlers. <laughs> it will kill. Watch out. I say that. I say it like I don't enjoy, like, crazy knives, but we recently went for my birthday right before the lockdown. If you ever get the chance, I don't know if you've ever been to the restaurants called, I'm going to say it wrong, Mjolnir in Sydney. It's based on um, Thor's hammer. Oh, uh, yep. you been? No, but I saw the photos. Yeah, like the big Viking themed restaurant basically is unreal like it's underground and it's completely viking themed so it's like stepping into an episode of vikings like you're waiting for ragnar lothbrok to come out and put you at your table all the people that work there are in full viking get up you drink out of like a horn um everything is like that you get like big servings of like they call it beasts but it's big servings of like ribs and um, they have like all these quails with the heads still on and just all sorts of crazy Viking food. But my favourite part of being there was when they, they come out to give you food, rather than putting your knife and fork on your table like a normal restaurant, they come out, your fork's already there. The waitress comes out and unveils this leather wrap of just like 15 different weird, crazy like bone handle, wood handle, different like mini sword knives and you get to pick your favourite. So I pretend like I don't want a big crazy knife, but that was one of the most fun restaurants I've ever eaten at. Highly recommend. 
if we find somewhere to, to forge a knife, you can make your own bone handled crazy knife. <laughs> and you can use it all day, every day at home. You can test it, but I don't know how it would look if we went in there and said, <laughs> when they unrolled the knives, oh, sorry, I brought my own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I already got this one. It's specially made. It's like the axe throwing places. Have you ever seen those as well? Uh, they always look really fun, but I always think it would wear off really quickly. Like, actually, this that probably links me on to the last thing I've been watching, but um, they did it as a date on this show I've been watching called Sexy Beasts on Netflix where they wear the masks on their face. Okay, yep. But they, um, they did that date, and it just looks like it's really, really fun for about 10 minutes. Then after you hit the bullseye and you can actually throw it in there, it's kind of just same thing over and over. Yeah, like once you work out, okay, this is how I do it. Okay, that's how it sticks. Okay, I'm, I'm done now. Yeah, the kind of the novelty wears off. That's the ones I've seen that I think look really cool as well, though, is the um, you seen Joey went to one. It was in London. It was a dart board one. So every table, you'd love it. They get the a dart board, and you can play darts from your table, and it has like the electric scoring on a little TV screen as well. Oh uh, yeah, um, oh, I can't remember what's called. There's one in the Gold Coast, and there's one in Perth. I can't remember what they're called. I think they're like called Oki or something. And yeah, it's oh, like, that'd be fun. You get like a booth with it, your own separate dartboard, basically. Yeah, that'd be fun. See that? You can at least keep score and stuff. Like, I think that's what you need, something competitive. I always want something competitive. I was going to say that. That's right up the buddy alley right there. Yeah, true. But yeah, the other thing I've been watching was um, Sexy Beasts on Netflix with the crazy masks. Have you seen that one? No. When you said that's what you're watching, I was like, what the heck is he watching? Oh, I've been waiting for it to come out. I watched the, if you get the chance, at least watch the trailer and you'll see what I'm talking about. But it's like, um, it's blind dating is the idea. The premise is that you are going on there. So each time it's either one girl and three guys or um, one guy, three girls each episode. Um, and the premise is that they're going on there and dating without being able to have physical attraction come into it and they have to like the person for who they are rather than what they look like. So to make it blind and to counter it, though, they put the most outrageous special effects makeup on these people. Like, they make them beasts. So I think so far they started out with the the girl that was the lead out was a full red demon face. Yep, that's the, that's the image I've seen. Yeah, and they, I think she had a beaver, an alien, and one other, oh, a rat, a mouse coming after her. And they look like full, like you just need to see the quality, they've like really not skipped out on the quality of the mask. And that's just what makes it for me. Like when you say the next one was a panda, the face actually looks like a panda. Like it's, it's not just like a little cardboard mask. It's the full, I reckon they must be sitting these contestants there for like four hours before they start. And they just look hilarious. Yeah, it's like full-on movie special effects level makeup. It's not just, yeah. here's a silicon mask, chuck this on your head. No, it's like proper fur and makeup. I'm like you can't see the faces at all. Like, and it's the most exciting part about it is other than the, the shock of some, like they, they give them dolphin heads. There's been a zombie. There's been pixies, um, a wolf, like just all sorts of weird, weird stuff. There's no real theme to it. It's just whatever they've come up with on the day and they just do it. I think one guy was a statue that had like cracks in his face and like moss growing off him. So there's no real rhyme or reason to what they pick, but seeing them dressed up like that and just 
they put them in normal, like the axe throwing, like normal date situations. They put them like they have a drink at a bar together and everyone around them is just completely average. <laughs> They're just staring at these people dressed as a zombie and a werewolf sitting there having a date. So it's just, it's funny to watch them. And they, they have the premise of you're not supposed to be able to be physically attracted. But it seems to me that every single time someone gets the really unfortunate ask, like there was a girl that got um, flesh-eaten zombie with like bits of skin hanging off of her. She got voted out first. And then there was a guy that was sat between the statue guy and the beaver was a guy that um, was dressed like the little mouse. He got evicted first. Like it's, it's, it seems like even though when it's masks, people are still voting out ugliest mask first. <laughs> that's that's a bit silly. Yeah, but I mean, and they they obviously tried to get these intensely attractive people on there because pretty much every time it happens, vote out the flesh eating zombie, and they're just absolutely stunning human beings. <laughs> and then they leave the other people in their masks and reveal each person. It's it's funny to watch them. Well, it's funny to watch like it was, I think, the beaver and the demon went on a roller coaster together. (laughs) It's just just these weird things. I've seen them do average stuff. I think some of them go for like champagne picnics in the park and they're trying to like drink the champagne under the weird like mask and nose that they've got or they go to the aquarium and the zoo. Like it's it's funny just to watch them in random places. The quality of conversation with people that would be on those dating shows is pretty predictable. Like it's they're not they're not brain surgeons, obviously, but it's funny to watch. Yeah, very surface level conversations. Oh yeah, and very intense. But it's just yeah, good quality trash TV. Fair enough. And that's on Netflix. On Netflix, and they just drop the whole season at once, so. And just strap it and, and trash it up for a whole day. Nice. The last thing I watched was also on Netflix, and it's the animated uh, movie called The Mitchells versus the Machines. Have you heard about this one? I heard it was quite good, and I haven't seen it yet. I, I started it and then it got dragged away for something, but it seemed pretty good. It is. It like really good. It's a um a Sony Pictures movie. So obviously it has those same sort of vibes as a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse in terms of sort of how it looks uh, with the animation, but it's apparently Sony's first Netflix exclusive animation as well. And it follows this dysfunctional family as they try to save earth from a global robot uprising that happens while they're on a road trip. Um, stars Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Eric Andre, Chrissy Teigen, John Legend, Blake Griffin, and Conan O'Brien. So I had this like crazy stacked cast. It was one where I heard all these people talking about like, hey, you need like just saw on Twitter and stuff. Hey, you need to watch this movie. It's really good. It's a surprise good movie. Like Netflix put out this movie that's actually really good. You need to check it out. So I sat down and watched that over the weekend and. Awesome. So good. So fun. Nice. I have to check it out. And it has, like, it's so obvious that the, uh, the PAL robot that takes, attempts to take over the world is just clearly like a play on Apple and Siri. Even like the guy that creates it is very sort of Steve Jobs-esque. And yeah, just a fun family movie that 
I definitely recommend people checking out. That's pretty much everything we've watched. What is your top recommendation for the week? Uh, top recommendation. It's all been pretty good, to be honest with you. I think Miracle Workers, for me, if I could sit there and watch a whole season of something like that um, in one day and just be totally happy with it, and just to watch Daniel Radcliffe just go nuts as an angel or as a prince or as something completely different, I think, yeah, for me. Miracle Workers is a good one if you got Stan and you're into something a bit Robin Hood Men in Tights vibe. Okay. For me, obviously, Ted Lasso continues to be great, but there's only one episode out at the moment, so it's a bit hard to to push that too hard. So I would say check out The Mitchells versus The Machines because it, it I think it's one of those sleeper Netflix hits where until people sort of more people start to check it out, it's not going to get the recognition it deserves. We on to it. Alrighty, thank you everyone for listening and watching the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review and subscribe on podcast services here on Twitch and also over on YouTube. You can follow Buddy on Instagram at a.b underscore c-s-double-e for his lockdown life at the moment. Not so many travel pics this, this time. Not yet. As soon as I can. I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow. And you can follow me on social media at Jamieapps Media and at Perio Magazine. We also are on Discord, so you can come over there and chat with us about your favourite media on there. And in a couple of weeks, we have a very special guest coming on. As of just over 12 hours ago, Robbie Eagles became the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, and he is joining us on the commentary booth to chat about the movies and TV that he watched in the quarantine period in the lead-up to his big match in Tokyo. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our new magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people have supported at the publisher level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart... Courtney Paulson, Tracy Epps.